It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copy off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And as always, you can find the show by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. This works if you are maybe a listener in your car and you don't want to dig through clunky podcast apps, or if you just don't want to lift a finger and you want your smart device to take you right to the most recent episode, it works that way. And hey, I also, I just want to quick thank you guys so much, uh, especially everybody who like engages with me and DMs me all the time and everything. You guys are awesome. I know I can't respond to you all the time and I apologize for that, but I, I rest assured every time you guys send me something, I do read it and look at what you sent me. So thank you all so much for how involved you still are here in, like, the dead of March. Uh, We have a whole bunch of weird stuff to talk about. A lot of little stuff. There wasn't a lot of movement on any of the fronts. You know, I I posted, I'll I'll link it in the show notes, but after I recorded uh, yesterday's show, I finished doing all of the, the film work I wanted to do on Josh Klein, and I ended up posting a little thread on kind of what I could learn from a cut-up of, like, his worst day on the year last year. It corroborates a lot of the stuff that I was kind of talking about, like, unsubstantiated in yesterday's show, so I'll put that in the show notes and do go check it out, but throughout the day, there were a whole bunch of little weird rumors here and there. Josh Klein is now in Minneapolis as I record this on his free agent visit with the Vikings, there's a chance he doesn't leave, there's a chance he does leave and he goes and checks out another team. Uh, There are also all kinds of other rumors. There was one piece of actual news where the Vikings did re-sign Dan Bailey, that does check another thing off the list, and there's a couple things I want to talk about with that, but I'm going to take, I'm going to handle all that at the end of the show. But what I'm going to start with in terms of news is the backup quarterback situation. As it stands right now, the Vikings quarterback depth chart is Kirk Cousins and Kyle Sloter behind him. And a lot of people have been really vocal about Kyle Sloter really supporting him and really being like, oh, he's, you know, proven that he's ready to be the, the backup quarterback. Give him his chance. You know, why are they still bringing in competition for him? He's proven enough. And, and I, I think, you know, that is really interesting. I think in the pre like watching the preseason and determining whether or not he was better than... Trevor Simeon or Case Keenum in those preseasons, I think that's fine. You know, Case Keenum did struggle in the 2017 preseason, even though it turned out way different than that, right? He had a great season. He did struggle in that preseason, and Simeon did struggle in the 2018 preseason as well, and it's fair, I guess, to say that Kyle Sloter outplayed them, but Kyle Sloter actually, I don't think he was QB2. I don't think he was listed as the second guy on the depth chart, so so he hasn't actually beaten out any of those guys, even though, you know, you might think that he played better, and that's totally fair to think that, the Vikings have not agreed. So it makes sense that they would bring in at, you know, at, at best competition, and at worst, a guy to be the actual QB2 while, while Kyle Sloter develops in the wings. Um, and, and the other thing is that the Vikings typically keep three quarterbacks on the roster. They've had Kyle Sloter on the practice squad in the past, but they typically keep three. They kept three last year, and that is usually the state of affairs, even though most teams keep two. Uh, you know, the, the Vikings just keep, like, one less, like, random linebacker or, or, like, random, you know, fifth edge rusher or whatever it is. 
uh, so that they can keep a little bit of extra depth at the quarterback position. And and I think the philosophy of a backup quarterback is that you should you should always have some kind of competition there, right? Like even though Kyle Sloter had a couple of good preseasons, you know, he had a good preseason in Denver in 2017, and and he played pretty well in the 2018 preseason as well. That shouldn't anoint you anything. That that should not be enough to give you the backup quarterback job to be the insurance policy for if Kirk Cousins goes down. And I think in, in terms of depth for everything, you should always have competition and depth. And the Vikings are very diligent about that. And you know, all teams are very digi- diligent about that. Like you have 90 people to get in. You're going to have some people that are, are going to be competing for roster spots or competing for backup jobs. And we, I can't wait to go into detail on that this summer when it all starts, when the 90 man roster begins to shape up. But the rumor is that the Vikings are interested in re-signing Trevor Simeon, and then Trevor Simeon is also uh, being courted by the Jets, who apparently have become our free agency rivals this offseason. It's really funny. I guess the Jets and Vikings just happen to have a lot of needs that align and, and, you know, cap plans that align as well so that they're always going after the same players. But both teams are also going after Sean Mannion, who has been the backup for the Rams for a long time uh, and kind of a journeyman there. Mannion has attempted a whopping 53 passes in the National Football League uh, in regulation, so it's unlikely that we really would know what to make of him if he ended up being the guy over Simeon. But it probably means that one of these guys goes to the Vikings, one of these guys goes to the Jets, and the factors that determine who goes where will all shake out and we'll be analyzing one of them when that time comes. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different reasons that either Simeon or Mannion would not mean that the Vikings like don't trust Sloter. It just means that you should always be putting your backup through competition, especially if it's a guy like Sloter who has not taken a regular season snap. Yeah, make him beat somebody out in every single preseason. That that's not a slight on him. That's just good process. And I would also caution people with Simeon. You know, I think a lot of people have a pretty sour impression of him because the only Trevor Simeon football that they've watched was the 2018 preseason, in which Simeon struggled quite a bit. So if that's the only football of his you've watched, yeah, you're going to have a really low opinion of him. Uh, But he played a lot better than that when he was actually starting in real games in Denver. And there's a lot of things that can cause preseason to look very different than real regular season football. You know, the game plans are different. You're you're working with number two wide receivers rather that like Simeon would look better if he's throwing the Diggs and Thielen versus throwing to like Kendall Wright and Chad Beebe. And that's not to say that, you know, his time in Denver was, he was like a superstar. He might not have even been starting quality during that time. But as a backup, I think you you get a better idea from that tape than you do from one preseason of like what it would look like if Kirk Cousins went down and if Trevor Simeon was the guy to go in. So, you know, just use the whole sample in your evaluation. It might not change your answer, but it's pretty smart to, to take a look at more than just one preseason, especially at the quarterback position. And the other thing I've seen with the backup quarterback search, which is kind of funny to me considering where this team was just a couple years ago, is a lot of people want to just cheap out at backup quarterback, get whoever, you know, or just just pay Kyle Sloter his, like, undrafted free agent minimum and get whoever and spend the money elsewhere and all that. We can't afford a backup quarterback. But this team is, like, two or three years removed from having to start Sean Hill in a, a regular season football game because they lost their quarterback and they didn't have a viable backup. And I think in the in the situ, I mean, imagine the situation where Kirk Cousins like tears his ACL in the preseason and he's out for the year, 
and you know Mike Zimmer comes up to the podium and he says Kyle Sloter is our guy and we're going to go through the season with him. I, I think a lot of the fans would be calling for Zimmer's head if that situation went down. So so trying to get another option in the building, especially just for camp. I mean, if Kyle Sloter is you know better than Simeon or Mannion to the degree that that people are saying, then he should have no trouble beating them out in a preseason. But it makes sense to go through that test, especially if the price is right. Uh, but that is going to do it for for backup quarterback talk. I'm going to go to a quick ad break, and when I come back, we'll talk about some of the other like rumored stuff, and especially the kicker news that happened on Tuesday. So I'll see you guys in a minute. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right, we're back. So let's talk about the Dan Bailey news. The Vikings re-signed Dan Bailey to like a $1 million like vet minimum contract. He has like a quarter of a million dollars guaranteed. And then the Vikings immediately like brought in for a workout uh, a potential like draft target or undrafted free agency target kicker. Uh, and and like had a meeting with him so like it's very clear that the Vikings you know they signed Dan Bailey back but they're not relying on him which I think is reasonable process with kickers Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about kicker philosophy later but first I want to address something that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast but I want to go in depth into my philosophy here because I've seen it every time the Vikings do something that isn't sign a guard there's always like replies on social media or like some sort of commentary about how like the Vikings re-signed Amir Abdullah but they didn't get a guard what are they doing and then they sign Dan Bailey and they meet with like Sean Mannion and none of those things are addressing guard why are they doing all these other things before addressing guard and I I just want to like caution against that kind of rhetoric because it doesn't really represent how free agency works. For one, the Vikings are not just Rick Spielman clicking through menus in Madden. And I actually do think Madden influences some people's ideas of like how like free agency works because you're just clicking through menus and getting a guy. And if you think about like how you would build a Madden franchise, like how you would take the Vikings through the offseason in Madden, you would like go through and you you would spend all the money you can on the most important things. You know, you'd go spend on a guard, you go spend on this, and then, you know, you would whatever's left over, maybe you go like re-sign Amir Abdullah, and maybe you go figure out a kicker, and if not, maybe you have to go get an undrafted free agent or get someone off a practice squad or something. But you would like do the highest priority things in the first wave and then later priority things in the second wave, and it would like make a lot of sense. And, and I don't think that's how it really works in the real world. Like I, I think For one, the Vikings have a very meticulous salary cap plan. They have budgets for all of these things. So they have already figured out, and they're not going to tell us, of course, but they have already figured out or have at least a reasonable plan with some room for flexibility depending on how negotiations and contracts and stuff go. Uh, and especially the draft and stuff, like they had a plan where they figured out, okay, we need this much on to spend on a guard. 
And that's why they offered the specific restructure that they offered to Everson Griffin. It's not that they thought, oh, any lesson he will say no to it. it it's we need this much money from you to, to get our plan done. And the fact that they've been spending, you know, vet minimums on like Dan Bailey and Amir Abdullah and stuff, those are things that they had to do. And they were also things that were very easy to do, especially like Amir Abdullah. He, he had a call with reporters and he basically said, I came, I had other offers. I came back because I like it here. And, and the Vikings were able to offer him a smaller contract to do that. So when you're building your like pie chart or you're building your whole budget, right? And you say, okay, this much for a guard, this much for Abdullah, this much for Dan Bailey. You got to check all those things off the list eventually. And the fact that they gave Dan Bailey or Amir Abdullah money does not mean that, that, that it took away from the money that they're planning to spend on a guard. Now, we've talked a whole bunch about how much money that should be. How much money do you spend on acquiring offensive guards? That's a different conversation. But know that, like, the Amir Abdullah money and the Dan Bailey money isn't taking away from that piece of the pie. It's not like they're going through this as, like, improvisationally as at least I would go through an offseason in Madden's franchise mode. They have a plan for how much they want to... They Like, they have that money already set aside for a guard is, I guess, the the most concise way to put it. And beyond that, like, these are things the Vikings need to spend something on, right? You need to field a kicker. You cannot field an NFL football team without somebody playing the role of kicker and getting Dan Bailey, somebody who even after last year's down year, I think he's still top 10 all time and, and getting him, you know, for as cheap as any other kicker would be. That's a move that they have to feel good about. I have all kinds of philosophies about kicker acquisition, especially kicker evaluation. That's going to be what I talk about in, in the next segment. But the point is somebody has to be your kicker. Somebody has to be your, like, secondary running back. And if we're truly going to evaluate, you know, if the Vikings are prioritizing those things too high and is that getting in the way of getting a guard or addressing any other need, then let's look at that. Like, let's look at Amir Abdullah's deal when we see the money. And we can look at Dan Bailey's deal and say, listen, that's a quarter of a million guaranteed. That's absolutely costless in the grand scheme of things. I mean, that's pennies. It's a drop in the bucket. And and looking around the league at other kickers, like Jason Myers making, like, four or five million dollars. And the Vikings were interested in him, but the second the price became too much, they pulled out because they don't want to prioritize that that highly. And other teams have like spent money on their kickers as well and like re-signing their, I think Will Lutz was re-signed by the Saints and I think somebody else got like an extension and the Vikings are here basically putting the bare minimum resources into that position and I'm going to explain what my thoughts are on like the merits of prioritizing that low, but the idea that the Vikings getting, you know, re-signing their kicker is getting in the way of them signing a guard is just patently false. There is not one person in the Minnesota Vikings who can only spend their attention in in certain places at a time. There are staff members that draft up these contracts and do all the legwork and the dirty work, and those people's time can be spent doing the easy thing while the the decision makers at the top, you know, the Brzezinski's and and the Spielman's, can figure out the hard thing. You know, the scouts and and Spielman himself, they're the ones that are going to be looking at the guard position, and Spielman looks looks up from it for two seconds and says, yeah, yeah, Dan Bailey's good and then goes back to the the important thing but all that happens behind the scenes and we're not going to hear about it and I don't think it's very responsible for us to just assume that they're doing it improperly because we're not hearing about it all we know is what they're willing to tell reporters and and you know what people are willing to leak and beyond that we just kind of have to wait and see so again the, the guard position is not solved there's only one on the roster as I record this still but I am going to wait until we know who those people are, and we'll give them a fair evaluation. We won't just assume that that it's fixed because they got somebody. We'll make sure that those guys are good enough, but 
the same thing I've been echoing throughout this whole process. Wait till we know who those people are. And if we don't like that, then we don't like that. But it doesn't make sense to sit there and, and panic about how the Vikings only have one guard on the roster. They're going to get more people. They have to field an NFL team. They know that. So don't worry about prioritization or if the prioritization of one thing is getting in the way of the Vikings' ability to solve another thing, but we should st- we can still evaluate whether or not the Vikings are prioritizing Kicker correctly, right? Kicker has been a problem for the franchise for decades, and the Vikings are still kind of cheaping out there. Is it the wrong thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? What do you look for in a Kicker? How do you determine if a Kicker is good? I have all kinds of philosophies on Kickers, and with Dan Bailey's re-signing, this is a pretty good opportunity to, to get into them. So I am I'm going to step away real quick for a second ad break. And when I come back, we'll talk about kickers in the abstract and and how do you handle kicker in the NFL? It's a really weird position that doesn't work like anything else. And I want to talk about it. So I will see you guys in a minute. All right, welcome back. So the Vikings re-signed Dan Bailey, and I think there's a mixed reaction. Some people are saying, all right, sweet, Dan Bailey is a fine kicker, he's going to be solid, whatever. And some people saw the down year that he had, saw that he was kind of inconsistent, he did miss a few kicks, even in the wake of all that Daniel Carlson stuff. And they went, wait, why are the Vikings settling for this guy? He's not even good anymore, you know, he's never been the same since he got hurt. And that, it's a difficult evaluation to make. And that's not what this segment is going to be about, but the point is, what do you do at kicker? You know, the Vikings have had kicker problems for forever, and part of that is just because they're this unbelievably unlucky team, and part of that has been some mistakes that they've made along the way, particularly recently. So if you've been following my work from before Locked On Vikings, you will know my opinion on this, uh, and I'm pretty vocal about it, especially on Twitter, and I was especially vocal about it after the draft when the Vikings drafted Daniel Carlson. Daniel Carlson was not a draft pick that I was a fan of. And I don't think you should ever draft kickers because college kickers are basically impossible to evaluate. And I'll go a lot more into depth on that in a second. But I also think that kicking is pretty random and pretty difficult to evaluate. And that doesn't mean that there aren't people who are better at the thing and people who are worse at the thing. That would be insane, right? That That's true of pretty much anything in the world. Some people are good at it and some people aren't. And somebody is the best at it. But I think determining who that is for kickers is really, really hard to do. I mean, Adam Vinatieri was not drafted. Justin Tucker was not drafted. If we were any good at figuring out who was going to be the best kickers in history, we probably should have been able to identify those guys and avoid situations like Roberto Aguayo. And yeah, like they got Sebastian Janikowski right, but is the hit rate better than a coin flip? I actually don't think it is, or at least not better enough to be like meaningfully meaningful evidence that NFL teams or you know the community at large is any good at evaluating kickers so like what gives is are are kickers just impossible to evaluate well kind of think about what we evaluate kickers on and think about in the app forget Daniel Carlson and Robbie Aguayo and Zane Gonzalez and all those guys and just think about evaluating a kicker in general you are being tasked with evaluating a kicker. So what do you do first? Well, you look at how many field goals did they make in college, right? And then if you really know kicking technique and stuff, you can like look at technique, you can look at leg strength. And the Vikings have access, and all NFL teams have access to resources like that. But even that really isn't enough. And I think you have to look at the size, for one, the sample size, to get an idea of, of why you know that starts to be a difficult thing. So for example, Daniel Carlson kicked 114 times in college. That's not a lot at all. I mean, imagine evaluating a quarterback on 114 passes. That's like three reasonably sized games. 
And that's an entire college career of Daniel Carlson. Unless you're going to start looking at his high school stats, which I think is a whole other can of worms you don't really want to be opening, that's not enough data to really determine if somebody is good or not. You can be, I mean, imagine a, a golf game. This is the the analogy that I used when I was really vocal against vocally against this move in the draft. Imagine you were tasked with finding the best golfer. And to do so, you had access to all of the expertise say you were like the best expert on swing and distance and you had you, you knew what you were looking at right you aren't just like some jabroni watching it on cbs you know what to look for and what is good and you have to bet on this person for the next 10 years let's really make their you know make some some high stakes and there's millions of dollars at stake but all you get to do is watch two rounds of one tournament about 114 114 strokes would be roughly what you get in two rounds of a tournament right if if the the golf course is playing easy these pro golfers will get there in like under 70 strokes so you get two rounds half of a tournament to determine who the best golfer is going to be with all those stakes you feel comfortable doing that that is as much data as you get with kickers. And I understand that like in that analogy, you know, you're talking about two days of a golfer and maybe if somebody had a bad day, it would affect way more of his data points than it would affect of the, of, you know, the kickers in a college career, right? Cause you only do like two or three data points a day, but that in and of itself is a problem as well too. Cause like you don't know how much impact a bad day is going to have on these guys. And it's a really, really mental position for kicking. That's why I use the golf analogy because it's so mental. If you get in your own head, you know, you could miss three field goals in a row and that can tank your whole career. With a golfer, you might be able to look, if they hit three bad shots in a row, ah, they had a bad hole. It's okay. It's okay. You can, you can kind of look past it and look at the whole sample and stuff. But with kickers, because, you know, one bad day, like the stakes for each data point, each kick are so much higher than a golfer's stroke like that small sample becomes even more problematic. And if you think about like the best kickers versus the worst kickers, the range is just not that high. It's it's well within the like reasonable standards of variance. If you took an average kicker and expected them to, you know, kind of one year, maybe they make a few more, one year, maybe they make a few less. And, you know, their, their average would remain the same, but you know, it's not going to be the exact same year in and year out. Of course not. That's just not how the world works. And that average deviation can bring them from, you know, the 10th best ranked kicker to the 25th best ranked kicker. And and that can really skew our perceptions anyways. The point is, you know, I say kicking is random all the time. And I know that that's not 100% true. If you trotted me out there, I am not going to be better at this than Daniel Carlson or Dan Bailey or just any of these guys, right? It's not that random. But within the standards and the confines of the NFL, I do think that there are probably 50 to 60 humans out there willing and able to play kicker at an NFL caliber level. So that's why I always kind of scoff when the Jaguars pay or the Seahawks pay Jason Myers, you know, huge, at least relatively huge contracts. It's always funny to me because you don't need to spend that to get the exact same level of play. And I think, you know, in all positions, the most expensive guy isn't necessarily the best guy. There are some moments where, you know, Aaron Donald is going to be like the highest paid defender or whatever, but somebody's going to break that record and that person's not going to be better than Aaron Donald. And I think there's a lot of market effects that create that, right? There's actually a great article. I'll see if I can find it about how the middle of the road players are the ones redefining the markets and the best players are like perennially underpaid. 
Like you look at, you know, Kirk Cousins is being paid more than Tom Brady. Kirk Cousins is not better than Tom Brady. We all know this, but Kirk Cousins is being paid more than Tom Brady. There's weird factors that cause that. Part of it is that Tom Brady was willing to take less to make the team better. Part of that is that he signed his last extension earlier than Kirk Cousins signed his contract. So the market was different then. And, you know, there's all these different factors like Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, and Kirk Cousins are the three highest paid quarterbacks in football. And I think Aaron Rodgers is up there now, if, if I remember right. But like, that's a really weird group to have like, you know, this huge high paycheck. And that, those are not the best quarterbacks in football. They certainly weren't in 2018, but those are the highest paid ones. And I think that that problem where the the amount you get paid to do the thing does not line up with how good you are at the thing. Again, lots of factors that lead to that, but those factors get exacerbated when it's kicker, when it's that hard to evaluate, when you have to look at, you know, in an NFL season and a guy kicks 35 times and you're trying to make multi-million dollars decisions based off of 35 data points, NFL scouts who do this for a living can't get it right more consistently than a coin can. And that's not to say that they're bad at their jobs. I certainly couldn't do any better and I doubt any of you could either, but the point is it's a fool's errand. It's an impossible task and you should spend your energy and your resources evaluating things that you actually know how to identify where the good players are. Kickers are random. We have seen all kinds of examples of this. We've seen Roberto Aguayo be a god in college and fall apart in the pros. We saw the same thing happen to Daniel Carlson, but then he got a fresh start in Oakland and it happened again. There's all this mental stuff that's actually like completely immeasurable, and you only get to, especially in the draft, you get to meet this guy for like 15 minutes, and you have to decide if he's enough of a head case or not to like deal with missing three kicks in Lambeau Field. It is a minefield, and it's not one that, is really wise to put any resources into. You know, if, if you want to make money at the casino, play blackjack, not roulette. But that's where I'm going to leave my kicker diatribe for this show. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk a little bit more about all the news and rumors that come in. Hopefully by the end of the week, uh, we'll have some guard news to talk about. If not, we'll pick it up next week. Uh, and then we get into the draft and all kinds of mock draft shenanigans and all kinds of fun stuff that I have planned for you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Again, my name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. And as always, skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked on Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.